we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Um, with that said, I want us to uh, go into this uh, message today over the next uh, little bit through the holiday season, maybe a little bit longer. We're going to be talking about lighting up the night. Um, I see a lot of negative uh, in the world today, and I mean, most of us do. I see a lot of darkness. I see a lot of people covered in darkness, a lot of people that that are uh, down spiritually, physically, and even emotionally. Uh, they're suffering through sometimes. This is, by the way, one of the highest suicide rates during uh, the, the Christmas season. During this time of year, is the suicide rate climbs higher than any other time during uh, the year. Um, depression sets in. Hopelessness sets in. Um, a lot of things, there's just a lot of darkness. I think that's amplified through what we have faced through the year 2020. Um, and it, it is, it's just, I don't know. I just keep hearing the Holy Spirit speak into my heart. It's time for the church to light up the night. It's time for us to become the light we're supposed to be to this lost and dying world. And it's time for us to become that light to people around us. So we're going to talk about that over the next little bit. Uh, and so today we're just going to dive right in, kind of set things up. Uh, when you first hear that, you may be thinking about the Christmas story and how uh, the angels appeared in the middle of the night to the shepherds. We might talk about that some, but uh, we're, we're, we've got a different take on that for, for today. So again, real quickly, um, Jesus has called you and I to be light, not only in our homes, uh, not only in our city, uh, not only in our country or our state, but he's called us to be light in this world that we live in. And he is serious about that challenge. This was not a request on his part. This was a command for us to be salt and light. And in Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 14 through 16, I want to just touch on this real quickly. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, uh, there was another place he de declared that I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light, okay? What he is referring to here is that we are to reflect. If he is in our lives, we are to be a reflection of him in the world that we live. And I will just be honest with you, I don't see the church reflecting him that great. And you're talking about harvest? No, I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ in this world. Uh, as a matter of fact, I see a lot of Christians succumbing to what is the attitude of the world right now. Um, that we don't have much hope, we don't have much of a future, we don't have much of this, much of that. We can't afford to be sucked into that way of thinking when God has challenged us to know the hope in Jesus and, the, and, and what he has for us. So he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a, a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a, on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our, our objectives this morning are three. Number one, I want you to to, uh, you and I to understand our position in God's eyes. Number two, to learn the four different kinds of light uh, through the life of Peter and measure the level of brightness in us, okay? And then number three, I want us to learn how to keep and maintain our light, okay? To keep and maintain our light. Our position, let's talk about our position first of all. Um, uh, understanding our position in God's eyes. Jesus said, uh, you are the light of the world. Uh, was he joking? Was he 
was he kidding around? Not at all. He was very serious when he spoke about this. We believe he was serious because we can see and know what he challenged his disciples to be according to the Scripture. Jesus said that, uh, that when you have Christ, you are, are, you are light. In other words, I'm not the source of light. He is the source of light. But my life should reflect brightly the relationship I have with him. Okay, um, I sh- you should know that. You should know, you know, I, I remember years ago, um, somebody said, uh, you know, if you act married, everybody will know you're married. You shouldn't have to tell somebody. If you act married, they'll know you're married. Uh, and there is some truth to that. If we are his, then the light of Jesus should shine brightly through us. Amen. It shouldn't be something that is a put on or make belief or something we have to, 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 to make ourselves represent. It should come naturally through us. Jesus said that when Christ, uh, with Christ, you are, you have His light and you should light up again your house, your city, your country, your, your state, and your world. Jesus, many, uh, many of the people who heard Him, uh, that day were much like the people that, that are in our society today. In other words, this is taken from the Sermon on the Mount. And this, it's where Jesus sat down and he began to talk about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, today we have a lot of people poor in spirit. Come on. We have a lot of people that are mourning. They're grieving over different things. We have a lot of people uh, that are trying to be peacemakers. By the way, that word translates in the original language, blessed are the problem solvers. You're either being part of the problem or part of the solution. You ever heard that? And there's a lot of people love to be part of the problem. Amen? Have you ever met somebody that loves to, to antagonize a situation and get it really going? Okay? They, they like to stir up something. Nobody's met anybody like that. Well, you just got through Thanksgiving, and you ain't met nobody like that. Now, anyway, they, they kind of like to poke the tiger, so to speak, get things stirred up. They love a controversy, and then they like to sit back and be entertained by it. Um, I've met people like that. They're in, they love to antagonize the situation. Jesus said that Christians shouldn't be that kind of people. We should be problem solvers. We should be wanting to bring solution, peacemakers. Bring a, you know, we need to solve some problems. Guess what? I believe the church has some answers for this world. I really do. I believe we have some answers to some people who are wrecked in their, in their hearts, who are wrecked in their souls right now. Some people who have lost out hope. We've got some answers for them. But if we're being part of the problem, then we can't be used of God in that way. Blessed are, he goes on, he says, the, the hungry, there's some that hunger for righteousness, uh, some who are meek. Some he, uh, The Sermon on the Mount is describing all types of people, and I believe that it describes our society today. I really do. And by the way, he wasn't talking about uh, um, several different types of Christians. I've heard that preached before about the Sermon on the Mount. He wasn't describing different stages of, of your walk with God. He's saying every child of God, should reflect every one of these characteristics. That's what he's saying. Every one of us need to be meek in spirit. Every one of us need to be, be, be a peacemaker. Every one of us need to, to long to, to, to see the kingdom of God reflected in our lives. In other words, um, he was summing up what should be the characteristics of the church. Peter, who was part of that group, who was listening to this message, would later become a pillar in the church, an apostle to the Jews, and become a great light. Not the light, only one, the, the light is Jesus but he would become a light for the Lord in the world that he lived around or he existed in uh, later on. He was sitting in that crowd listening to Jesus speak about this. When Peter was called, he was just a fisherman. Now, as a fisherman, he, he worked. He wasn't afraid of hard work. It was not, you know, to, they didn't have debt finders. 
uh, back then. They did, you know, fish finders didn't show them where the fish were. They had to kind of learn how to read the 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 the, the waters, kind of uh, uh, see what was going on to find the fish. And the first time Jesus found him, he wasn't catching many fish. The second time Jesus approached him after his resurrection, he had went back to his old life of fishing, and he had had he had no luck. We're going to get into that in a little more detail in just a moment. But Jesus told him that he would become a fisher of men in Mark 1 verses 16 through 18. Now Peter had been following Jesus for three years. Okay, fast forward. Three years he had been following him. He had saw the power of God with his own eyes in Luke uh, chapter 5 verse 8. He had seen Jesus feed 5,000 in John 6 1, 11. He had witnessed and uh, Jesus raised the dead in Luke 8 51 through 53 and he had saw Jesus transfigured in glory and glorified in, in his earthly body glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 1 through 6. By the way, there are many other things Peter was an eyewitness of. He, he, these are just a few of the biggies that he saw. Now, Jesus was transfigured. I, I, I want to share this with you. I shared it in the early service. I think we need to hear it today. Jesus was transfigured on the mountain and there with him, if you remember the story from Children's Church, who was with him? Moses and Elijah were with him on the mountain. You need to understand, you see a union there and God approving, God the Father approving because there you have Moses who represents the law, you have Elijah who represents the prophets and you have Jesus who represents the New Testament, the New Covenant in his blood and there you see the union of all three on that mountain and God is saying this I'm pleased with because where these two have fallen short this one, my beloved son will bring into fulfillment. Amen. And so there, you see that witnessed on that. So again, keeping that in mind, him witnessing that light, him witnessing Jesus on those, in those different stages, let's break this down. The first kind of light I want to talk to you about this morning is uh, intermittent light. Matthew 14, verses 25 through 31, talks about uh, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came walking on the water, on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. We all know that, that Peter experienced uh, uh, walking on water for himself. Now, if you don't realize how great a miracle this is, I want to encourage you to go down to the river on your way home and try to walk across it without getting wet. Okay, so Peter may have eventually sunk, but Peter actually experienced walking on water. And the Bible does not tell us how many steps he took towards Jesus before he got distracted and his eyes got off the Lord and he began to sink. But I do know this, he is the only one of the 12 who can say, I walked on top of H2O, I walked on water looking at Jesus. Now, he, you know, we want to pick on him for sinking. I want to praise him for getting out of the boat in the first place. I want you to know some of us will never know the miracle of Christ we get out of the boat till we get out of the boat and take a chance in serving him and, 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 do, and getting out of our comfort area. So again, understanding that Peter had experienced walking on the water, water suddenly found himself beginning to sink because his focus was taken off of the Lord. His eyes suddenly focused on the noise and the violent wind. He was saved and then he was rebuked. Not because he had no faith. Because if he had no faith, he would have put his feet on the water and went straight to the bottom when he first got out of the boat. But he walked towards Jesus. Like I said, we don't 
don't know how far. I don't care if it was a step. That's pretty impressive. But he, we do know that he had some faith in order to take Jesus up on his challenge. But somewhere his faith began to, 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 uh, to weaken. Somewhere his light became intermittent. Somewhere he began to, to, to get his eyes more on the world and off of Jesus. It's kind of like Christmas lights. All right? I've got a little joke I'll share with you. Those of you that get this joke, God bless you. Those of you that don't, come see me after service. I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. But yesterday, Peyton had a great day of video games playing. Amen, buddy? He, he, I know he had his mind on that. And so we, we get in and I say, hey, yeah, don't go settle in on the video games. You're with me, Russ. You're going to go with Clark. We're going to decorate the house. All right, so Christmas vacation. Come on, get in on it. So anyway, um, so we went outside and we began to hang some of the Christmas lights we wanted to hang up on the outside of the house. And so again, um, these are nice, but you know what? You don't want to take twinkle lights and try to light up the interstate and turn off all the street lights. Come on. Because they they're beautiful for decoration. They're nice for the moment. They're nice for show, but they're not meant to guide you anywhere. They're meant to look and be attractive. There are too many Christians that are twinkle lights. They're intermittent lights. They're seasonal Christians. I'm a Christian when I'm in the house of God and I'm not when I'm in this world. God is looking for people to become sold out and say I'm tired of my faith being lacking when I walk out of the doors of the church. I want to be what God wants me to be 100% 24-7. I want to be what God wants me to be. Amen. That's just good preaching. Amen. You say you bragging on yourself? No, I'm bragging on the word of God. That's just good, solid teaching from God's Word. We can't afford to anymore to be intermittent lights, just attractive for the moment, but that when we are really challenged, our light goes out. When we're really put to the test, our light falters, and it fails to lead somebody. Amen. Christmas lights are intended for decoration. It is good to entertain, but it will lack what it needs to guide someone. We were made for all seasons. Oh, my goodness. I like that statement. Look at somebody and say, you all weather. If that person's important in your life, you're significant other, look at them, wink a little bit, say, you all weather, baby. <laughs> Amen. You were made for all seasons. You were made for all seasons. Do you realize God did not create you just to be a, a, a light during the good moments in life? He didn't create you just to be on top of the world when, when everything's going your way. But he created you to be a light in the midst of the, of the storm, in the midst of the darkest hours, in the midst when the doctor's report doesn't go your way, in the midst when somebody looks at you and says the finances aren't there. He is there, right, right there in the midst of the darkest hour. That's when he created you to shine the brightest in those moments. But yet there are too many seasonal Christians there's too many people blaming their bad, bad life on, on, on everybody but, but, but what they've done. Guess what? Every bad thing that's ever happened in my life is because of the seed I have sown. Oh, no, the devil did it. No, the devil might have encouraged it, but I scattered the seed. He didn't make me throw the seed. The Bible says, for whatsoever men sows, that shall he reap. Amen. If we're throwing bad seed, we're going to reap bad harvest. Come on, church. Come on, church. What are you preaching this way for? It's supposed to be Christmas. Make us feel good. You know, jingle bells and all that stuff. No. 
No, we have walked through one of the darkest years in my life I've ever seen. And I'm here to tell you, I don't believe we're going to be, be uh, encapsulated by the darkness. I believe we're going to come out brighter than ever before because some of us, we're going to get plugged in today the way we need to. Amen, Pastor. We're going to get plugged in. In other words, season, seasonal uh, on and off Christians can't stand the rain. In other words, they can stand the rain, but they won't like the storm. Peter called on the Lord to be saved. In other words, he's saying, I can't do this without you. In, in, in Matthew 14, uh, 30, he said, I got to be saved. And when he cried out to Jesus, Jesus extended his hand. Peter took him by the hand and he lifted him up. I want you to understand some of us are asking God for help, but I'm going to tell you he will put out the hand, but you've got to have the faith to take it. Amen. You've got to have the faith to grab hold of it and take it. Amen. Intermittent lights. The second kind of light I want to share with you today is independent light. Look, somebody say, I'm independent. Independent light. Matthew 16, 13 through 23, it's Peter's confession of faith. And I'm going to save a little time here and kind of summarize this. Jesus is, there's a lot of people talking about Jesus. Jesus' fame is spreading throughout of all, all the nation uh, because of the things he's doing. And he calls the disciples together and he says, what's the word on the street, boys? What are they saying about me out in the world? And they say, they're saying, some of them are saying you're, you're, you know, you're Jeremiah. Some of them are saying you're Elijah. Some of them are saying you're one of the other prophets. That's what they're saying about you on the street. And Jesus brings it home and he looks at them and says, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am? Peter has this great moment where he stands up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looks at him and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not shown you this, but my father, which is in heaven, God's showing you stuff. He says, and because of this revelation of who I am in your eyes, I will build my church. It forms a foundation. It forms a rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter wasn't the rock. The revelation of who Jesus was in his life was the rock. Are you understanding? Some of us have a weak revelation of Jesus, so our foundation falls apart during the storms. Our lights uh, fall apart during the storm. We need to get a true vision of who he is. In other words, we need to understand that he is the Christ. He wasn't just a great teacher. You don't lump him up there with, you don't put him in the same category with Muhammad or Confucius or any other great founder of any other religion. No, he does not go in the category with all those. He supersedes them because those are false and he is real. And I'm here to tell you, you when you see him for who he really is it will transform your life so he says God God has to help you see that so the story goes on and and I'll read this part verse 21 and from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day raised again and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of God of man. I want you to let that sink in. Here we go. Well, the very first part of this chapter, he is being praised for having God reveal things to him. All right, this, one, this ought to be an important lesson that nobody in this room, according, especially the ones speaking to you today, can say they have arrived in that place with God where they cannot be influenced by the enemy. 
Peter was a man of God, I have no doubt of it, but at this particular moment, his eyes once again, as they drifted off of Jesus, uh, walking on the water, they now drift off of Jesus when he begins to reveal his plan that he must die on a cross, and he says, far be this from you, it'll never happen, not on my watch, they'll never get to you, Jesus. Jesus looks at him, all that sounds good, all that sounds, you think Jesus would look at him and put his arms around and say, way to go, man, you love me that much. You, you know, that's just awesome. No, Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan, because you're not grasping what I'm here to do. My mission is not to bless this world. My mission is to save this world. What if Jesus had walked this earth for three years and for three years he healed the sick? For three years he fed the, the multitudes? For three years he opened the eyes of the blind? For three years he cleansed the lepers? For three years he did miracle after miracle and after sign and wonders all over the place? But when it came to the cross, Michael, he looked and said, uh-uh, I'm out. I won't die on the cross. I got news for you. We would have been blessed but still going to hell. But because he followed through with the plan, because he didn't just come to bless this world, he came to die for this world. You and I now have access to the Father in heaven and we can see the light for ourselves and be what He wants us to be because of Him. Because of Him. We can't afford to be independent lights. You see, at this moment in Peter's walk, he was becoming an independent light. Maybe it was a little bit of pride in Peter for having this great revelation that Jesus had spoken, that God was speaking stuff to him. Anyway, whatever it is, here we see Peter praised by the Lord for having deep insight, but the next moment he is strongly rebuked for being the mouthpiece of Satan. We need to be careful that we don't in this hour become the mouthpiece of Satan. Church, we can't afford to do that because somebody is listening to you. Somebody's seeing, watching to see how you react as a believer in Christ. Are you falling apart right now? Are you on edge right now? Are you, is there nothing but hopelessness in your eyes? Somebody is watching you. And I'm going to tell you, it begins in your household. My children are watching how I react to 2020. Whew, got quiet. My children are watching how I react to bad news. And if I fall apart and have no faith in this hour, what can I expect to pass on to them? Come on, church. Somebody on your job is watching how you react to 2020. Somebody is watching in your school how you're reacting to 2020. My friend, it is time for us to quit cursing the darkness and start showing the light of Jesus in the midst of the darkness. Amen. Amen. In other words, Peter wanted it his way. Instead of listening to Jesus, he tried to do it the way he thought was right. Sincere concern, but there was ignorance and pride as well. Peter couldn't do it his way and neither can the church. Some of us think it's got to be this way. I remember when we were looking at buying this property out on the four lane and all I kept hearing the Holy Spirit tell me is, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. And I kept telling the board, God keeps telling me, some of them, I was crazy. No, God's going to give it to us. Well, the thing is, I just had the location wrong. I really did because God gave us almost nine acres. More land than we had over here and more usable land than what we would have had over here. 
And God didn't give us that land to look at and stare at and put flags on. God gave us that land to build a ministry center to go forward and be salt and light in this community. I don't care if they ever know who I am. I don't care if my name is ever shared. I want the name of Jesus to go forward in this community because people need Him. I'm telling you, they need Him. Yeah, you can praise God for that. They need Him. God, help us get a hold of this. We can't have it our way. We need to have it God's way. In other words, flashlights are wonderful things, and they are getting more and more powerful. Aren't you thankful for, for that? Flashlights, they got them now, man. Light up your whole backyard. Think you're in a stadium. Flashlights are powerful, but guess what? They are still limited in their life. They're still limited. Their light will eventually die. Their battery will eventually, no matter how great the battery, no matter how wonderful, there is not a battery that is eternal. And, and, you know, you have some genius look at you and say, well, if we had a fusion battery. Well, even scientists tell you that one day the sun will burn out. I didn't need a scientist to tell me that. I read in the Bible that says it's going to burn out. Way before a scientist ever dreamed up their equation, God foretold it. What are you saying, Pastor? It doesn't matter how powerful the battery a flashlight is limited because it does not have unlimited power. The source of the power is, but it is, why? It operates independently. There's a lot of people that have the attitude, just me and Jesus, and we can do it. I don't need church anymore. You got hurt somewhere in the past with church, and I got news for you, people will hurt you. But my Jesus has never hurt nobody. And I can, you, know, you want to be offended at people, it's one thing. Don't be offended at Jesus. Well, I'm not offended at Jesus. Well, how can you love the head and hate the body? How can you love the head of the church and hate the body of Christ? You can't do it. You can't do it. It's like me looking at my wife saying, I love your face, but I hate the rest of you. <laughs> Try it with yours. See how that works. I love the face, but the rest of you, no. No. Come on, church. Listen to what I'm saying. Some of us say, I love Jesus, but I hate his body. You can't hate his body. You say, but there are, there's hypocrites, pastor. There's hypocrites in everything. There's hypocrites in everything. And God will sort out hypocrisy. But I'm here to tell you, there's some good folks in the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you, I know a lot of good people that love Jesus. And they are sold out to him and the purpose of God. And I'm telling you, to them, they're going to do the work of God. Look to the ones that love the Lord. Get your eyes off of those who are little flashlights, limited in power, because eventually the light will fizzle out. Come on. Satan fills the heart of a person that is not dependent on God. In other words, a person that is not dependent on God will eventually find themselves in, in, in trouble. But Jesus says very plainly in Psalms 51, uh, 17, the sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. God loves it when we come to him and we are gracefully broken in his presence. Broken to our pride, broken to our fear, broken to our self-sufficiency and our self-dependence. Come on. Too much of us are dependent on, on ourselves. We're dependent on ourselves. And we need God to help us plug in to a source that won't die out. Third kind of light is inactive light. Look at somebody and say, inactive. John 21, 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. 
They are sincere in their calling, but due to the pressures, problems, and burdens, they choose to put out their lights momentarily. In short, they've decided to quit. Peter, after denying Christ in Matthew 26, he implies his intentions to return to a normal life. Even after knowing he has been resurrected, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, Peter is implying, I'm going back to what I'm comfortable to with. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going back to what I used to be. And all of a sudden, he encounters Jesus once again. In other words, he, he cannot go back to that life because Jesus won't allow it. Jesus says to him, you can quit, but you'll always be haunted with what you could have been for me. You can give up and go back to that life, but you can't do anything apart from me. Peter goes back to that old life. Seems like they're all going back to it. He goes fishing all night long, catches nothing. Jesus shows up. Jesus moves a great multitude of fish to the point the nets are breaking is brought in. We know the story. Preached on it not long ago. But what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying some of us need to realize that our lights cannot be shut off just because some things go wrong in our life and we've encountered a few bad things. Just because of 2020, the church light cannot afford to go out. Just because we've had a, bu- a few things that we feel like have not went our way uh, politically or socially or whatever, lay it out there. That should not affect our vision of who Jesus is and our purpose of what we are, are supposed to do. It is time for us to become active. In other words, we cannot afford to be a spectator anymore. We must become participants. Mm. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a team where you were a spectator. I have met kids that are just happy to wear the uniform, just want to be on the team. They could care less if they get in a game. I've met kids like that. But I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't that kind of kid. Those who really want to be a part, in other words, when the coach says, who wants to go in the game, they're the first to raise their hand. They're the first to say right here. I'm telling you there's too many of us we are happy with watching others do the work. Oh, my goodness. We're happy with watching others do what it takes. I'm here to tell you God is calling this church. I can't preach to every church. I'm preaching to this church. God is calling this church to get off the bench, get in the game, be a part of what God is doing, be a part of the solution, be light in this world like never before. Roll up our sleeves and show this world that Jesus still saves, Jesus still moves, He still heals the sick, He is still on the throne. Our God is real and be a reflection of Him in this community. It's time to go to work. Look at somebody beside you and say, it's time. It's time. They tried to go back to their old life, but they couldn't. It was unfruitful. It brought nothing. I've got news for you. The Bible says the call of God is without repentance. I remember a time in my ministry, I walked through a very dark moment, very dark time for a couple of years, and I begged God to show me a way out. Not a, not a way out of serving Him. I, I didn't want to not go to heaven. I want to go to heaven, but I begged for a way out. I said, God, I'll be a good member. You ever done? I'll be a good member, God. I'll pay twenty percent tithes. I'm telling you, real. I'll be a good member. I'll support a pastor like never before. I'll be that guy that he can count on. I'll be that person. I just don't want to be the pastor no more. I remember telling God that in my moment of darkness, in my moment darkest part of my ministry. 
But I got news for you. The call of God is without repentance. And you can run out here and do whatever you want. You can even backslide and go into this world. But when you get through with whatever you're doing and you come back to the cross, there's going to be something wait on you. And that's called the call of God. It is without repentance. He's going to be right there saying, you may have delayed it, but it's right here. Pick it up. Let's go to work. Let's do what I've called you to do. Some of us can make an impact in this world like never before. But we got to be willing to pick up what God has challenged us to do. And do it. And do it. Amen. We cannot be inactive and reach this world. We must be a participant. The Bible says that many are called and few are, but few are chosen. And there's been some misrepresentations of that preached throughout my entire life. That, that many are called, but they're ignoring that call. Few are chosen. What this simply means is many are called, but few are raising their hands and saying, I'll go. In other words, God has called all of us to do ministry in this world. But very few are volunteering to step up. If we are going to see revival in 2021, if we're going to see revival in the remainder of this year in 2021, we must step up and answer the call and the challenge of the Holy Spirit. We've got to put away some... Look, I, I believe there's some folks that are just mad at God. They're just mad at God. And I'm going to tell you, if you're mad at God this morning, God, God is big enough to take your anger. God is strong enough to take your anger. He is strong enough not to be offended at your anger. If you're mad at Him, be mad at Him because He still loves you anyway. Because when you get over your fit, He's going to be there to embrace you, forgive you, but then He's going to say, now that you're forgiven and now that you're embraced, let's go to work. Let's go to work. Somebody is counting on you to be salt and light in their life. You cannot sit and wait any longer. Inactive lights. The last light I want to share with you is inflamed or empowered light. Jesus is the light of the world and now Peter is about to become a light in the world. A reflection of Jesus in this lost world. What Jesus did, Peter would soon do also. As Peter repents and as Peter takes on the challenge as Jesus goes back to be with the Father, guess what? He begins to see and witness in his ministry the same things that Jesus did. Now, get, you want to understand, it wasn't Peter doing it. It wasn't Peter. It was Jesus through him, the Spirit through him. But he became available to be a reflection of that glory, a reflection of that light. So guess what Peter got to see? Peter got to see the lame walk through his ministry. He got to see blind eyes open. He got to see all the miracles Jesus did, the Bible says, the disciples performed and more. And more. Peter got to see the Lord do mighty miracles through his ministry because he got involved and he allowed his spirit to be inflamed or set afire by God. Peter connects, uh, connects to Jesus in John 15, 5. A light is powerful if he is connected to a power source or she is connected to a power source. The energy is continuous to those who are connected. In other words, Jesus said it best. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. In other words, we got to be connected to the source. Peter was baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts 1 and 8. But you was told that he would receive power in Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1 and 8 says this, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now, I want to share with you the word power in the Greek is the same word we derive the word dynamite from, dunamis. The explosive power will be connected to you when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 2, verses 1 through 3, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a, a sound, uh, came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Peter now had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was plugged in to the one who made the earth. the the stars, the moon, the universe. He was plugged into God Almighty. Why? Because Jesus said he's been with you, but one day he's going to be in you. And all of a sudden, this spirit that had been with him now is in him. And when he leaves that upper room, he's on fire. The disciples are on fire. The church is on fire. And thousands come to the Lord because the church was no longer hidden in darkness, but emerged from the upper room with their lights plugged in to the source of an ending power. God is ready for the church to get plugged in. Plugged in. Plugged into the Holy Spirit. Peter watched the power of God move in, 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 in his life and ministry. In other words, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. He went from spectator to participant. No longer would he look around and no longer would he watch what Jesus did, but he would begin to do what Jesus did. Amen. Look, church, it's time to get from the history lesson of Acts to Acts becoming a reality. The book of Acts is a powerful story of the Acts of the Apostles in the church. That's what it's about. But I'm here to tell you it was not to be a history lesson. It was to be an example. And we got to start living out and seeing the book of Acts come alive in this community and in this county. We got to see it happen. We got to see Jesus begin to penetrate this darkness that is over our community. Oh, I don't see it. It's there. It's there. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to call it by name this morning. Is that all right? It's the darkness known as religion. It's all over our community. You talk to people about the Lord and they'll tell you what church they belong to, but yet they've never been to church there since they were a child. They attended VBS one week, but that's their home church. They're lost. I will not sugarcoat this. They're lost. We have to, folks, there's lives at stake. There's lives at stake. There's souls at stake. And the church cannot afford to sleep in this hour. It's time to plug in. It's time for an awakening. How many doesn't like to wake up when that alarm goes off? Okay, about five honest people. Next week's on lying, so you have an opportunity to <laughs> pray, get it right. I used to have a coffee mug that said, what was it, shut up, and just, or what it said, don't talk, don't talk to me till I've had a cup of coffee and a donut or something like that. 
How many's got to got to have that first little caffeine shot before you'll even be nice or try to be nice? I am a semi morning person. Once I do wake up, she is not. So I'll come in in the morning and I'll be like, "What's up, baby? What's going on?" It's like I'm trying to wake up. You know, it's like come out in the name of Jesus. Come out. No, I'm just kidding. Doesn't work. But no, there's people that aren't morning people. But as I was preparing this and as we're getting ready to, to end this with a challenge, in my heart I envision the church. And we have slept. And we have slept. And we've heard wake-up call after wake-up call. But we've ignored it. I believe the pandemic was supposed to wake us up, but it didn't. Instead, we cursed the darkness. You say, well, that wasn't me. Well, then don't include yourself. But if you get mad, it was you. You don't get mad if it don't apply. Too many souls slipping into eternity in the church's slap. It is time to wake up. Get the sleep out of our eyes and let the Holy Spirit plug us in to the unending source of power, which is Jesus. Because the other three sources of light will never lead people to heaven. It is only that which is powered by the Holy Spirit. And if this local church is going to move forward, we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. Enthusiasm won't get you here. Singing the latest praise and worship won't get you here or get you there. I'm telling you, trendy messages and great graphics won't get you there. And I'm thankful for all of the things that God has at our disposal as a church. But I'm here to tell you, there is no substitute. There will never be a replacement for old time Holy Ghost for conviction in a church service that gets a hold of a heart where you either got to come forward or get to your car. There's no substitute for that. And I can guilt trip you. I can guilt trip you to the point that you even come and pray. And you can even feel better and walk out of here saying, I'm saved. But then you return back to your old life of sin. As if you never had an encounter with God because I just made you feel bad. But when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of your life and convicts you of what's wrong in your life and you come forward, not because Pastor Phil said to come forward, but because something in your heart said, I've got to get right. I've got to get to the Lord. I've got to get my sins washed away. When that happens, my friend, a transformation will take place and you won't want to go back to your old life. So it makes me wonder, have we not been making people just feel bad for years? And that's why we've not seen transformation. So today I welcome the convicting power of the Spirit 
to fill harvest if it weans us down to a handful. Because I would rather have a handful go to heaven than a church full of people that miss out because religion was preached and there was no conviction. If there is no conviction, there can be no repentance. There can be no repentance. You ever said you're sorry just because you knew it would get you out of trouble? If you've got a sibling, you did. You tell your sister you're sorry. Or you're going to, I'm so sorry. <sighs> you know what I'm talking about. But you know when an apology is real. Because with it comes transformation. When I'm truly sorry, Faye, I'm not going to continue to hurt. I'm not going to continue my behavior that brought about the offense. Folks, this is good stuff, if you'll hear me. I'm not going to continue the behavior that brought about the offense when I'm truly sorry for what I've done. When I have truly repented, I'm not want to cont- I don't want to continue the behavior that brought offense. And, and, and we live in such a society, we don't want to offend this group. We don't want to offend that group. We don't want to offend this one or that one. I've got news for you. Who's worried about offending God? Who's concerned about Him? I'm worried about offending Him. I know it's quiet in this room because I believe the Holy Spirit is beginning to settle into this place. And he's beginning to talk to some of us about some real change that needs to take place. Will you stand? Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. If you can go out here and do wrong and you're not bothered by it, there's a lack of conviction in your heart. There's a lack of of Holy Spirit conviction. But see, I feel like some of us, for the first time, we're feeling conviction. We're feeling a need to either flee or come forward. That's good. It's not a bad thing. Today I want to encourage you to not leave here, but make things right with Jesus. Pride will destroy you. Pride will destroy you. It will keep you making excuses and blaming others for everything wrong in your life. But somewhere we have to accept responsibility that I can't change what others do, but I can change what I have done. I can fix, what is, what's, I can fix what's wrong with me by letting Jesus fix it. So as every head is bowed and every eye closed in this room, I'm asking for some honesty in this room. If you're in this room today and you know that things aren't right between you and God, you know it. You know it. You don't have to have Pastor Phil convict you of it. You, you feel the Spirit of God saying, 
There's a fence that needs to be fixing. There's a, there's a wrong in your life that needs forgiveness. And the only, only one that can forgive it is Jesus. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. No looking around. I just want you to slip it up. Thank you. There's some others. Come on. I know Jesus is the only one that can fix it. Come on. There's hands all over this building going up. Yours needs to go up. There's some others. Jesus is the only one that can fix the wrong in me. And I know it's there. There's some others. Come on, slip your hand up. Put it right back down. That physical representation of a spiritual decision. That's what I'm looking for. If you're in this room today and you're saying, Pastor, I I can relate to every one of those lights, but the last one I'm not plugged in. I'm not plugged in. The circumstances control what kind of light shines in my life. If things are going my way, then God is good. If things aren't going my way, God is to blame. If that's you and you're ready for God to plug you in, I want you to just slip your hand up. Thank you. There's some others. Come on. I want, I want God to, I, I need to be plugged in. That's you. Just slip your hand up. This last one is for those of you that you've been a spectator. <laughs> you've watched others do the work. You've watched others minister. You've watched others serve and you're ready to get off the bench and get in the game you're ready to be a participant but you know you're going to have to have God's help to be that participant if that's you I want you to slip up your hand and just say look you're not signing up today you're just saying God I need to be a participant in what you're doing come on there's some hands need to go up thank you thank you so this is how we're going to do this I know we got a lot of people in this room First of all, if you don't know Jesus, you're being convicted of your sins. I'm going to challenge you to make a walk. And it may seem like the longest walk of your life, but it will be the greatest walk you've ever made. Because Jesus will meet you before you get here. He'll begin to, he's already working on you right at your seat. If you've got sin that needs to be forgiven, I want you to come right now. Come on. You raise your hand. You say, Pastor, I got some things that only Jesus can fix, and I need him to do it now. Don't be shy. Don't worry about what others think. Remember, uh, I'd be more concerned about offending God. If that's you, come on. If you raise your hand, come on. Find a place at this altar right now. Come on. Come on. There's some others. There's some others. Let's obey today. Let's obey the Lord today. Let's obey the Lord today. There's some others. Come on. There's some others. You're ready to get some things straight. You're ready to get some things right. Come on. There's some others. I want to be plugged in, Pastor. I want to be right. There's some others. There's some others. Now, for those of you that raised your hand for any other reason, I want you right now just to take somebody by the hand. I still feel like there's some need to get saved today. I really do. You need to get right with the Lord today. You're ready to get right. You're ready to walk out of here knowing you're saved. Then you need to come. You need to come. You need to come. There's still others. There's still others. I feel the Lord. There's some at home watching right now. You need to just kneel right where you're at at your house and you need to ask God's forgiveness and say, I'm tired of being a spectator. I want to be a participant. Come on. You say, I don't know what's holding me, Pastor. There's just something all over me. I'm telling you what's all over you is the Spirit of God saying, come home. Come home. Make it right. Let me make it right today. Let me wash it away. Let me, let me make you new again. 
All over this building, there's people that need to obey the Lord. You need to obey the Lord. Oh my goodness, God is working in this house and it's not just up in this room. He's working way back there in the back. He's working in the middle. He's working from side to side. You just got to... We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.